Let's just stand up a minute if you can. Lord, we just... I believe somebody said it already, but we want to say it again. Lord, we're not here uh, to be entertained in any way, Lord. Lord, we really are here to experience uh, heaven, experience you, Lord, right here in this room this morning. That's what we're asking for, Lord, just more of that, Lord. Lord, because that's what changes people's lives, Lord. That's what affects us is when we experience you, Lord Jesus. That's what we want, Lord. We cry out to you for you, Jesus. Lord, just fill this room right now, Lord, in a fresh way, Lord. Right now we ask you to fill us to capacity, Lord. Fill us beyond we've ever been filled, Lord. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that every person would be filled with the Holy Spirit right now beyond anything they've ever been filled in their life, Lord. Lord, take us to a new high level of, of that water of the Spirit that we would just hit the high level mark, Lord, today. On just individually and corporately, Lord, we ask you for that, Lord. Lord, we ask You to pour out Your Spirit on us. We ask You to move, Lord. We ask You for those things that You have promised us, that You have declared over us, Lord. We pray, God, that we would allow You to use us, Lord, to be those vessels for an outpouring of Your Spirit, Lord, that that living waters would truly flow out of us, Lord. There would truly be a real move of God, a true move of God, something that carries itself, something that we don't have to try to sustain, Lord, but something that does it. Lord, we ask You that for every person in this room, every circumstance, every situation, every thought, Lord, in every intent, Lord, you know about, Lord, and we ask you to enter into those right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down if you want to. Okay, um, let's just try to get on with this deal, see if I can get this thing working here. Not yet. Everybody okay out there? Good. Okay. I want to give you a little message this morning um, that I feel like really is the Lord. Um, And what I want to encourage us to do is to be... um, I feel like, you know, last Sunday we had the guest speaker, Pastor Noah... It really gave a tremendous word. Um, and then the Sunday before la- that, Matthew gave a tremendous word also. And so we want to be more than just hearers of the word. I believe that's probably a lot of our troubles as we get to be here. We hear stuff and we take things for granted. And I, I pray that we won't do that anymore. We'd be doers. But I want to just talk to you a little bit this morning. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, I'm going to read verse 4 through 6. Um, and we like having all these babies around here. <laughs> babies don't bother me. As long as I don't have to change your diaper. <laughs> Let the mamas and daddies do that. I already got mine. It gets worse, though, I've realized. When your kids get older, they make worse mess than diapers. At least the diaper's fairly contained. Everywhere they go, they can make messes. Then they want you to clean them up. But thank you, Lord, for for the children. They really are our heritage, and we love them. 
All right, Second Corinthians 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being able to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Um, of course, we know this about spiritual warfare. Probably the greatest arena of spiritual warfare that we all experience is right there sitting on top of our shoulders is in our mind that's really one of the greatest battlefields there really will ever be and it will continue to be that in our life um, this is interesting Proverbs 23 verse 7 says speaking of a man for as, for as he thinks in his heart so is he so as you think you see how powerful your thought, thoughts are that's going to dictate the, the way you are in your life uh, there's two great examples that I've seen in my life about a person that thinks, and they've done studies on, on bodybuilders, okay? Have you ever seen a, a person that was a bodybuilder and they got so big that their head actually looked little on their body? They're like a cue ball sitting on top of this huge body. <laughs> you were that way for a whole time, then what happened? <laughs> but they've done studies on these bodybuilders who do that, and what they say, these bodybuilders, when they look in the mirror, they do not see this huge man. They see this real skinny guy. they got this image of themselves. They think they're skinny, and they just work out like mad. And you find, find that to be true with them. That's a scientific fact. Also, you find this with uh, people who are anorexic, girls who mainly, I, th I guess some guys may get into that, but it's really widespread with women now, is they, they, when they look in the mirror, a, a, a lady who's anorexic and just a bag of bones, literally, what she sees is a fat person. Just, I'm overweight, you know, and they kill themselves slowly by trying to be skinny. And they're so skinny, it's, it's really pitiful. And that's because a person's thinking something, they're believing something in their mind that's not the truth. So our thoughts, you see how powerful our thoughts are, they really do can set the direction and pace of our lives, can absolutely destroy our lives. Everything that, everything that you see around you in this room, the clothes that I have on, this, the, the carpet, the walls, everything begins with a thought. Even with God, God thought about man and created him. You see, you know, somebody thought about a chair like this before that chair ever came into existence. Somebody thought there needs to be a chair. Got to make that better than the old pew. Somebody was sitting in a pew one day thinking, man, somebody needs to do something about the seating in churches. It was a thought. And so, therefore, it came into being out of, their, you know, out of the creativity that God's given us. So everything begins with a thought. Um, this is a proven fact that I've recently learned from medical science. Eighty-five percent of the, the decisions that we make on a daily ba basis are made automatically by unconscious thoughts. Eighty-five percent of the decisions that we're making, there's unconscious thoughts going on inside of our mind that we're not conscious, consciously aware of, that are, and we're acting on those thoughts. When I heard that, I thought, boy, that's scary, you know, because, you know, what are we, you know, what's in our minds? So, so here's what's in our minds. Our minds are full of thoughts that are governing our lives without us being conscious of what is happening. You hear that? If 85% of our thoughts are, are making, are making, we're making decisions based on those thoughts, then we are being directed by thoughts that we're not even being aware of. Now, that could be a great thing, or that could be not such a great thing. Are you with me? Everybody with me so far now? Let me just sort of shift gears a little bit. 
and read something out of this book that I uh, have been reading recently called The Journal of the Unknown Prophet by this lady, Wendy Alec, which she's definitely an unknown prophet. I'd never heard of her before I read this book. But, uh, uh, you know, it's sort of a journal, her personal journal, journal that she had over a couple years. And I want to just read this one excerpt from it that really I felt was pretty, pretty uh, mind-blowing to me. And this is sort of like a word that God was giving this woman, okay, and she was writing it down. And it starts like this. Many, many of my children did not receive healing of their minds, emotions, and soul in, in the last generation. And the last generation is, is speaking of the generation of Christians that, per, that per currently exist, okay? That's what we're talking about. And because they have lived in the household of God... For years, many do not even realize that these scarred places exist. Okay? I think the church is full of people that have difficulties in their life and because they've been Christians so long, lived in the Christian world, got all this so-called Christian teaching in them that's so popular out there now uh, that don't, they, we don't even realize we've got issues down and deep inside of us that, that, that we've covered over and hid and we've learned to live with for so long. Uh, and we're in trouble. And then it goes on, my champions, speaking of the Christians who were supposed to be, and this is what she, you know, was prophesying for the future, my champions shall now know a violent, satanic assailing against their minds. You know, pretty much what Paul was saying there. Any thought not taken captive shall be a thought that can take violent root in their soul to lead to ensnarement. Anything from their past that has been dead... Listen to this. This is the one that got me. ...to them and cause them to become vulnerable to the enemy of their souls. You got that? Any habit not ruthlessly dealt with and put to the cross with, with the searing heat of temptation will breed and rapidly multiply. Now, when I was reading that, I was asking the Lord, um, Lord, you know... We're just having hard times just on, in a normal situation. What's going to happen when there is this thing released against us, this satanic assault that really is going to come against the church? Um, turn to Revelations 12. Are you all with me so far? Revelations 12, verse 13. And let me just read this verse, which to me speaks of this satanic onslaught that we are already in. See, this, this is the thing. We are already under an onslaught, and many of us do not even know it. Many of us are, are like we're asleep at the wheel. We've gone to sleep in the foxhole. Uh, Revelations 12, verse 13, and all you experts in the Bible, you, I know what you're going to say. That is not what that, that, you can't apply that verse like that, but I absolutely believe this is a very, very good application of this verse. Now when the dragon, everybody knows who the dragon is in Revelation. It ain't, it ain't God, it's the devil. Saw that he had been cast to the earth. Remember that? He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. All right, who's the woman talking about that? The woman is... No, the woman's talking about the church. Okay? I knew you was going to say that. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle to her place where she is nourished for a time, times and a half half a time, however much all that is, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. You hear that? He spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after this woman. And that's really what has happened. 
That's what's happening in the world. There is a spew, uh, there's a flood of wickedness that has been released into the earth that's coming from the devil. Now, what Dean says is a good, really a good ap- a literal application of this, but what I want you to get to see something more spiritual here this morning. This flood of wickedness that the devil has opened his mouth and released in, has released this into the earth. That is happening right now. I mean, you'd have to be crazy if you didn't think it was. Okay? But uh, the earth helped the woman. Okay? The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Now, the earth being the world there, literally, is absolutely doing that. It's not the earth absorbing all this wick- wickedness that's coming. It is the, the world's full of it, right? That's where it's all at. It's all out there in the world. That's where all this wickedness is going. See, the world, the, the, yeah, the devil went after us. He's gone after us. He's, he is releasing wickedness. You know, you know, TV, the Internet, whatever you want to, wherever you want to see it, it's there. Wherever you want to hear it, it's there. It's been released. And the world is just soaking this wickedness up. You know, but according, according to the Word of God, that's actually to help the church. It's actually to help us, help protect us. Okay? Um... So there's two things I really see there that the Lord has given the church. The Lord has given the church this, the world to absorb this wickedness that's being released. And He's also given the church wings, which would be supernatural ability. Are you all with me? Come on. You've got to be with me on this. Okay? So we've got this, uh, we've got this uh, supernatural ability given by God to, to help us escape the wickedness that's being released into the earth. God's given us something. Now, turn to Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Okay, you got that? That's what Paul's saying. The world's been crucified to me and I to the world. Now here's uh, what I believe. I believe the cross is the doorway to that supernatural ability. The, the, The cross is the doorway to that supernatural ability that God has given the church, the wings. That's how we get that supernatural ability to be able to overcome the wickedness that's being released against us. Okay? How much of our thinking is being influenced by the world? How much of our thinking is being influenced by the world? I mean, you're going to have to ask yourself some hard questions here. How much of your thinking is being influenced by the world? And you're making decisions unconsciously by thoughts that were put there by the world, which, you know, was not the world's thoughts originally. They were the devil's thoughts. And they went into the world, and now here we are, the, the church that the enemy went after, but he couldn't necessarily get directly, but he's getting us through the world. He's getting us through the wickedness and evil in the world through our own thoughts. You hear what I'm saying to you? And in the church, this is the sad thing in the church. Now, this is where I really have a major issue with the church and what's preached in the church. You listen to what's preached out there. It's basically a message of self-help and self-fulfillment. Okay? That's really what we hear preached. It's all, it's, it's all based on self, about what God will do for us, about our, 
our future and how we can be helped, you know, ten steps to better health or ten steps to spiritual prosperity or ten steps to, you know, being the greatest preacher in the world. But they're all, this, this, they're, we have just been a release of all this, you know, self-help, self-fulfillment type ministry. And the more it's been preached, the worse we've got and the more self-focused we've become. We're self-focused. We are very self-focused. And it's really it's destroying our ability to be who God's called us to be. It's because now we've become focused on us. And we really, in many ways, have really left the basic understanding of what the Scripture teaches about what real Christianity really is. And I'm going to say this. This is the way I feel. I think a lot of what we think Christianity is, it's not. I think we've gotten away from the real gospel, the real gospel message. Okay, we've left the cross. Are you all with me? All right, let's, uh, let me read two verses here. I'll put them up there for you. Uh, the first one is Ephesians 1.13. It says, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel of your salvation. And if you look in the... You get your concordance out and look up the word gospel, and the Bible gives lots of words it attaches to the gospel. That's one of them. The gospel of your salvation. The gospel of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ. Uh, he just gives many, you know, and all of them have significant meanings to them. But here's one that Paul, when he was talking to the Ephesians, he called it the gospel of your, my, salvation. All right, here's another one in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, see, this is a different descriptor. descriptor. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So before the end of time comes, before the world comes to end, there's going to be a, a gospel that's not necessarily just a gospel of your salvation. There's going to be a gospel, another aspect of the gospel called the gospel of the kingdom. And those are different aspects or different manifestations of the same gospel, of the same cross. Okay, one, the gospel of, of your salvation, that gospel is not the gospel I believe we've deserted. I believe we all cling to the gospel of that salvation because it really is focused on us about what God has done for us, how God has wanted to bless us and heal us and forgive us and take care of our lives. That's a wonderful gospel message, right? That is a wonderful gospel message. But you see, we've gotten walked into that door and we stopped there because there's more to the gospel than God healing us and fixing us and just saving us, even though all of those are wonderful things. There's this other thing called the gospel of the kingdom. And I believe that's where we have we've not either entered into it or we've entered into it at one point and, and, and withdrew ourselves from it. And it's a little bit different, that aspect of the cross, that aspect of the gospel. It's a little different. Um, just moving on here. Here's the thing that I feel like that's a true statement. As we groan, as we have grown further from this aspect of the cross, meaning the kingdom aspect, okay, the more selfish and, and, and deceived we have become. Because, honestly, if we just have a gospel of our salvation, that's, that's for us. That's about us. That's focused on us. We do need that. I'm not denying that fact. But if we stop there and we don't go into this other thing, we, are, we, will, we will become very self-focused and very self-deceived. Are you all with me this morning? I mean, this, 
I believe this is really something we need to hear. I believe this is really the gospel message that the church needs to hear. Because the church don't necessarily need, need to hear or shouldn't need to hear, Jesus died for your sins. Yeah, we need to hear that, but we heard that and we received that, but there's something more that Jesus did. And that's really where the church is at. Okay. If you look at the current generation in the church, especially younger people in the 20-somethings, anywhere from about 17 on up, maybe even younger than that, they are the most self-focused people I've ever been around in my life, period. I mean, if you're that age, I'm sorry, you are self-centered, and you are, are, you're bad. You're way worse than we were. We were bad. We thought we were bad, but you were worse. I hate to tell you that. You're very self-focused. You're very self-centered. All, everything's about you and about how it affects you and about how your life is. And there, it, cannot, it doesn't seem to be there can be any inconveniences with you. You know, if your kids, uh, you know, pee in their pants, oh, I can't do it. You know, my kids peed in my pants, you know, in, in his pants. You know, my life is falling apart. I can't, I can't do the things I'm supposed to do. I mean, that's sort of the, the generation we have. They have it easy. They live the easy life. And, they're, and that's just my opinion of you. <laughs> But on the other hand, God really loves you and cares about you and wants to help you quit being so self, self-centered. <laughs> Easily offended, yeah. All right, listen to this. Yeah, you're very offended. Now they're real upset with me, okay. <laughs> Let's listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, all right, now he's not talking about people in the world. He's not talking, about, he's not talking to unsaved people. He's talking to his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that's, that's Jesus' take on the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? And I believe the Lord does want to heal us. I believe he wants to fix all our problems for us. You know, in his timing. <laughs> deliver you in your, your situation or deliver you out of your situation. He'll decide that. Okay? But it is in losing your life Okay? I don't know why I got not finding it. I messed up there. But it's in losing your life you're going to find your life. Now that's really the gospel message. It's in losing your life. It is in laying down your life. That's where you're going to really find your life. That is really where you're going to find the fulfillment that you're seeking. Are y'all with me on that? Because this is the opposite message of what everybody wants to hear in church. Everybody wants to hear something that's going to make them feel good. But we don't need to feel good about a message. Okay, we need to feel convicted. We need to feel something in our hearts telling us this is really the truth. This is the way Christianity works. And this is why my life doesn't seem to work out always. Because I'm going about it the wrong way. I'm not going about it the biblical way. I'm trying to find my life and find how I can add things to my life instead of laying my life down. Just like Jesus said. And that's the gospel of the kingdom. It's laying your life down and it's sacrifice. That's the real gospel. That's the real truth. And if you ever want fulfillment, forget your calling. Let me just say that. Just, the Bible says the hope of His calling. Whatever happened about God's calling? Whatever happened about God's inheritance? I mean, truly... Whatever happened about those things? We're so focused on what our calling is, what God's, how God's going to use us, we forget the very thing we're placing this earth for was for Him. His calling. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians. That you would know the hope of His calling. 
the glorious inheritance that He has in the saints. And we need a calling. We need an inheritance. But when we have made those things so important as we have and put them above His inheritance and His calling, we've missed the mark. And I want to say to you, we've missed the mark in here this morning. We've missed the mark. It ain't just, you know, so-and-so. We have. We need to see that we've missed the mark. And we need to get back to the true gospel. We need to get back to laying our lives down and, and seeing that sacrifice and laying your life down is the way that God has called us to go. It's not let's be happy and let's be fulfilled and let's have prosperity. Those things, God will make you happy. He will fulfill you. He will give you prosperity. But if those are the things we're going after in life, we are going to be disappointed over and over and over again. It simply will not work that like that. It's not meant to. Are y'all with me? The real message of Christianity is one of sacrifice and laying your self-life down. And that's the truth. I'm sorry to tell you. You know, just sorry. These are the foundations of true Christianity. Are you with me? All right, let me just tell you a little story out of the Old Testament. This is a very interesting story, perplexing in some ways. Uh, but there was a king named Jehoshaphat. And there was a people called Moab. And so they, Moab started getting rebellious. So Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, went to the king of Israel and the king of Edom and said, let's go and get this guy, Moab, and go with him because he's starting to act up. So they teamed up. You had these three kings, three armies that teamed up together and went against this king, Moab. Let me read the story to you. I got it up here. It says, And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him... He took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom. So, see, what he did, he was getting beat in the battle, so he, his strategy was, I'm going to focus on one, like one flank in this battle. I'm going to take 700 of my best men, and I'm going to go after this one king, and if I can somehow topple him, maybe the other two will be toppled and backed off. But they could not. Then he took, listen to this, then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him, this man offered his son as a burnt offering upon the wall. Now, this is not talking about a little three-month-old baby. It'd be like me taking, Aaron, will you please stand up for me? I know you don't like to do this kind of thing. Stand up. Don't shake your head at me. It would be like me taking this young and right here, my eldest son, and sacrificing him. Can you imagine doing that? Taking somebody you've known 20-something years and sacrificing him. And he was saying to me, if you try that, Dad, I will sacrifice your hide. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with your boys when they get big. You don't let them know, but, you know, you get tired. You had to use weapons on them. <laughs> but think about that picture. This man took his oldest son and sacrificed him. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. In other words, something happened. And they said, we're through with this fight. That guy saved himself that day by sacrificing his son. Now, that's the spiritual law. The spiritual law that, that, that I, when I read that, this is the, what I hear. There's a spiritual law. Power is released through sacrifice. Whether that's good power or bad power. When there's a real sacrifice, that's where po real power is found. You hear what I'm saying to you today? When there's, when there's a real sacrifice, there's going to be real power. It's interesting that the message this morning in the music was about sacrifice. Jessica's little message that she had for her baby was about laying a sacrifice. I didn't 
confer with anybody about anything, I never do. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God, the message of the cross. I'm not talking about just the message of getting your sins forgiven. I'm talking about that message of laying your life down and sacrificing your life. That is where the real power is. That's where that message, power, is released. So it's not that we lack the Holy Spirit, okay? I don't think that's the real you know, root cause of our lack of power in the church today. The root cause is because we haven't laid our lives down. That's where our real problem is. is we, we're not a, a self-sacrificing people. And therefore, we're a powerless people. And that's really the truth. If we're to experience the power of God in our daily lives, we must lay our lives down daily. Every day. Every day. It's not just something you do in church or in a worship service. It's something you do every day. If you want power in your life, you're going to have to lay your life down to get the power. Now, here's what Romans 8.13 says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And that's what is happening to us. We are dying a very slow death. So we've scrambled around here and come up with these, these real clever messages to get everybody propped up and happy, to keep them coming back, to keep them giving them the money, to keep them involved. And it's, and it's backfiring. It's not working. Because eventually they're going to quit. They're going to quit giving the money. They're going to give up because they're going to find out that message doesn't work. It's never meant to work. And the sooner it, we find out that ain't going to work and get out of it, the better off we're going to be. It says, For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that's the Bible's way of living the cross. It's by the Spirit you put the deeds to death of your flesh. You lay your flesh down. You quit living for yourself. You start living for something greater than you. And you will walk in power. You will walk in fulfillment. You will walk in everything. The things that you desire so much will happen in your life. That's the pathway. It's not the other way. You cannot get in the other way. You can't trick God. You can't fool God. You can't back, back yourself into this thing. There's only one way to go in. And that's to go in dead and to stay dead every day. I was talking to a guy, you know, we were going through um, Romans, and he was saying to me, why has my, this is a young guy, this is what he said to me, it was really bothering me. He said, why has my generation never heard preaching on the cross? And this guy grew up in a good church, you know, denomination, a spirit-filled denomination. He says, I've heard preachers all my life say, you've got to preach the cross, you've got to preach the cross, and they never preached it. And we were just looking at one verse where it says, Reckon yourself dead to sin. He said, I've never heard nobody preach on reckoning yourself dead to sin in the church. And we wonder why we're messed up. It's because we've gotten away from that. We've stood back and said we need to be preaching the cross, but we don't really preach the cross. We preach a salvation message, but we stop there. Are you all with me this morning? And what God is calling us to, He is calling us to go back to the cross. He's calling us to live a life of sacrifice. He's calling us to lay our lives down. You want your calling, that's the way you're going to get it. Do you want to be fulfilled as a person, that's the way you're going to get it. 
The other things are not going to fill you, fulfill you. God will not, He will not break His spiritual laws. And we've got to hear that. We've got to get that. Are y'all with me? And there is a flood of wickedness that's been released. I want to get back to that in your mind. There's a flood of wickedness. But a dead man, honestly, that's the only way we're going to overcome it is the cross. We, we cannot overcome it in our own self. And I don't want to find myself in the day, well, you know, Lord, I've been a Christian almost 30 years now, and, you know, I, I've dealt with those things. And the Lord said, Byron, you dealt with them. You squelched that lust in your heart. You squelched those bad thoughts. It wasn't me. And now when the day really counts, when, the, when everything's on the line, it wasn't me who did and those things rise back up in you. You had wounds in you that were never really healed. You went for that sorry message of being inner healed that really wasn't, that had nothing to do with my spirit, had nothing to do with the cross, it had something to do with self-discipline and man's way. And in the day that when the hour comes when the fire really is put on the earth, where are you going to be? I mean, that's what God was saying to me. You better get before me and let me search you and let me put the death things in you that need to be dealt with. And stop all this other mess. Discipline will not get you there. And I'm a disciplined kind of person. I believe in it. But it's not going to get me anywhere spiritually, really. Not really. The cross is going to get me somewhere spiritually. When every day of my life I live the cross, every day of my life I lay my life down, I don't live for myself. I don't live to satisfy myself. You know, by the power of the Spirit. So God has provided a way for us to deal with this onslaught. And it is the cross. It is a life of sacrifice and laying our lives down. Amen? And the end. So can we do that song one more time? You know, we've made that song until, you know, it's sort of our fault, I guess. It's, this is how you worship. It's making yourself a living sacrifice, which is not really, I mean, it's in the Bible it says that. But I think, listen, doggone it. If you came here and just heard this message this morning and you don't do anything about it in your life, shame on all of us. In fact, here, let's do this. Let's quit now if we're not going to start doing this. Let's just quit this. Honestly. Let's get real with God. Come on, babe. Babe. Come on, babe. We've got the babes in here, okay? Got the babe on the worship team. Okay? Let's get real with the Lord about Christianity. Let's get real with Him about the cross and let it become something real in us. Let this be a real message to you this morning. Honestly. Don't let, well, you know, He got up there and that's what He said and that was good and I believe that's right, but that was it. Who cares about that? That's all we do. I don't want to do it. I'm not interested. I'm interested in this. I'm interested in finding out how to live the way the Bible's called me to live. I am not interested in American Christianity. One, and one level, I'm, one level I'm interested in, to see it change and become what God's called it to be. And I think there's people in this room that you are so self-centered, you're ridiculous. And God is saying to you, listen, you need to lay your life down right now today, and then tomorrow you need to do it again, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. But we need to embrace this message. And we need to embrace it every day of our lives. And let's just get real with the Lord and ask Him, Holy Spirit, I ask You to search my heart. I ask You to search my life. 
Show me where I'm playing Christian. Show me where I've really left the real true foundations of Christianity. Show me these things, Lord. I want to be a real Christian. I don't want to be a fake. I don't want to be found my pants down on that day. I want to be real, Lord. I want to be walking in the power of God now. Not next year or when some great revival comes or some special person lays their hands on me. I'm just not interested in it. Now, I'll be glad for a revival to come and some special person lay their hands on me. I'll go for that all day. But good Lord. Yeah. Why not right now, Lord? Let us be those special people. Amen. So, I got myself hot up here.